everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Before the Crowd. So, on this episode, I'm sat here with Emily Duffy. So, Emily is uh, currently a student who is studying her Master's in Counselling and Psychotherapy. Um, she's got a lot of experience working with people in the music industry, up-and-coming musicians, looking after their, their welfare, their mental well-being. Um, and so, in this podcast, what we're going to do is talk about what Emily is currently doing where her career is going, maybe some of her experiences working with musicians and any advice that she would give to people who maybe has uh, mental health issues themselves, has suffered them in the past or is currently suffering from them. And uh, maybe if you are in the industry or know people in the industry who have who are going through these changes, ways to recognise it and just what we can do. So, Emily, welcome. Hi. <laughs> so, um, first of all, I guess, talking about psychotherapy, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, counseling and psychotherapy is what you're doing your master's in. Yeah. For people who don't know what psychotherapy is, can you give like a um, bit of a brief definition of it? Yeah, I mean it's it's fairly similar to counseling. Um, so the course that I'm doing is kind of all encompassing anyway. Um, if you've been to the NHS and had counseling through them, then it's normally CBT, um, which is quite practical. Um, the main distinction for me is psychotherapy is more an analysis of the mind mm. and how that's kind of linked to then your behaviours, whereas counselling can be more talking therapy. Okay. So with counselling, it's more sort of, I potentially know what my issue is. How do I get from this point to the point of happiness or some mm-hmm. sort of resolution? Yeah. But with psychotherapy, is it more where somebody doesn't know what's causing certain emotions? Like, because you talked about the analysis? Yeah, I think it's more looking in depth at your cognitive functioning. Okay. As well as the emotions and feelings and situations around it. How how would you even begin? That's really good, asking a good question with (laughs) (laughs) with a pen in my mouth. (laughs) It's great journalism right there. How would you kind of recognise these cognitive patterns or or look at these emotions in a person to to begin to analyse what's going on with them? I know it's a hell of a broad question, but... Um, To be honest, the main thing is just holding the space for a person to talk, um, which sounds a lot simpler than it actually is to do, but to actually sit there and take in what someone is saying um, to be able to empathise with what they're going through and and how vulnerable it can be to actually discuss Mm. what's going on in their mind that they might not have told anyone before they might feel like they're the only ones having certain thoughts or something like that Mm. and to actually express then the emotions that you get from that I think it's just being able to hold that space for someone and let them come to their own conclusion of it. Okay. Because um, only you know how you're feeling and mm. what's going on for you. So, from my point of view, it's it's more about getting... <laughs> I can just <laughs> My dog. <laughs> it's more about getting the client to explore their own emotions and come up with their own kind of, I don't know, I can't think of the word for it. Like their own conclusions of what's going on with themselves? Yeah. So is it more like you said, holding the space, but it's not just you're going to sit there silently? Mm -hmm. Do you sort of guide people down a certain path? So if you think from the signs they've shown that maybe there's kind of, uh, I don't know, anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. within them, do you sort of show them some signposts? Um, I have done in the past, so with work. Um, that I've been involved in it is more signposty mm-hmm. um, but with the route that I'm going down now it's not so much signposting it's more um, so I wouldn't diagnose someone no. that would be for doctors and and uh, psychologists to do uh, <laughs> but If it's something that I really couldn't help with, then I'd signpost someone. So if it was like um, someone needing practical help because they've got an alcohol addiction or Mm. something, I don't know how recovery steps and stuff go for that. So 
you'd then say, well, I can help you with the emotions or feelings. We can talk through that. We can talk through your situations, what might trigger you. Mm. But to actually get the practical help and support, then maybe try here. Okay, so it is kind of knowing what your specialism is mm-hmm. and also recognising what it isn't. Yeah. So I can imagine it's very difficult when you have uh, a lot of... I mean, I know we're kind of predominantly talking about musicians mm-hmm. and artists and people in these creative industries because I think naturally that happens to a lot of those people anyway. Yeah. Um, but do you think there are sort of drawbacks to implementing you know, methods of psychotherapy? I don't think so, no. I think I think people on a whole could do with having more self-awareness. Mm. Um, I wish that self-help and self-care and techniques like that was taught in schools from a young age so that people knew how to have their own resilience to things. Mm. Um, and like with musicians... If you're a songwriter, a lot of your work is coming from your own personal experience. Yeah. So, I think to then be able to explore that and get a healthy connection with it and get some kind of resolve on what's been going on for you is quite a good thing. Mm. Um, to then not feel so, you know, attacked if, if you get a bad critique or something for that song. So do you think that is kind of a danger for songwriters when they open themselves up um, to... Do you want me to move up there? You put it... <laughs> so I just spilled drinks everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just over about we'll get humped by your dog from earlier. He's a, he's a feisty one. <laughs> Come on, you knew what I was going to talk about. He just loves people. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm really, I had a few questions which I wanted to ask you about. Um... But just on the subject of dogs, I'm going to jump right into this one. Thera- it's not like it's not as bad as you think. Therapy dogs. Yeah. In in your honest opinion, do you think they are something that can actually help people, or do you think it's just an excuse for people people to keep their pet with them? Uh, I think they can help people. Okay. But this is coming from a very biased person who loves dogs. So um, I went to counselling and my counsellor had a therapy dog, but it was basically (laughs) their pet who sat next to me in their basket and slept. But it also felt quite nice to know that if I got really upset or something, there was something there to comfort me. Um, well, what do they do if you got upset? Do they just sort of hand you the dog? <laughs> no, it's just it's more the dogs there as a comfort, so you can. I suppose in a way, it's it's kind of like a distraction. But, okay. Um, the same as like having tissues on the table, so if you cry, you can grab a tissue. It's kind of the same thing, but it's a dog, so you can stroke the dog and. Well, on, on the tissues, can you, can you uh, repeat, just kind of for the, for the episode of a podcast, it yeah. was something you, you know what I'm going to say? About being a rescuer. <laughs> yeah, and about yeah. offering the tissues. Can you tell that? Because I really like that. Yeah, of course. So, um, when I first did my counselling skills training, it was just a 10-week course. Um, and the first lesson, um, we're talking about how as a counsellor you can really want to rescue someone um, so to get to a solution for them or to guide them where you think is best for them to go um, and my tutor used a really simple way of putting how you rescue someone of if you've got a box of tissues and someone's crying if you offer them a tissue you're rescuing them mm. because you're trying to show them some form of comfort or even you can't sit with their emotions of sadness so you want them to have a tissue to stop crying um so it's about being able to just sit back and let that person sit in that emotion and sit with them Mm. in that emotion and i'm not sure if it was you who mentioned to me as well but almost when you do offer that person offer that person a tissue it's for them to stop crying and it's almost that meaning of stop what you're doing Mm -hmm. and this and it can put them off yeah it's really odd because then and I've started to, to, to do that. And if you have a box of tissues mm-hmm. and people say, oh, I'm so sorry. And they try to apologise. Yeah. Can I use a tissue? And you're like, what's there for? Yeah. It's like, you know, use it. I mean, 
use it to blow your nose. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever you need. Yeah, it can, It, I suppose it is one of those things where it can just represent trying to hide that emotion again mm. and suppress it when, you know, when you're crying, you're trying to release an emotion. You're obviously that, that upset. There's, there's a saying where, um, the reason you cry is because your brain can't comprehend the feelings that you've got going on for you, so that's why you cry. Because oh. it's that overwhelming, but it's that's just your body's way of dealing with it. I mean, it, it is that the, re- the release of a cathartic yeah. response of literally it's coming out of you. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So okay. then to suppress that and stop that. It's like pushing it back down. Which is obviously, if you're doing a counselling session, that's yeah. not ideal, is the it? Opposite. Yeah. <laughs> what you want, yeah. So going back to what you said about the songwriters, then yeah. do you think when, as you said, it often is personal experiences that people are talking about, mm. and whether that's good or bad? Yeah. Do you think it can be unhealthy for songwriters to really dive into themselves and not know these coping strategies or mechanisms? I think it can be. I think it can be dangerous. Um, I mean, just look at all of the recent suicides in the music industry, mm. like Chester Benningfield. If you look at Linkin Park's music yeah. and the lyrics, like, that is clearly someone who had some mental health issues. He was clearly depressed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much he was involved with the songwriting process, but... It's clear to see, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know a lot about the band's history, but it's so funny how people say, you know, if somebody self-harms, mm-hmm. even it's just, you know, cutting and scratching, not really doing any yeah. significant damage. It's a cry for help. Yet when you've got a worldwide household name band releasing yeah. lyrics about, you know, mental illness, it's like, but he still yeah. killed himself. Like, was that his cry for help? And people just like, oh, let's just review this album. Yeah. I, I find that mind blowing but like I said a household name yeah and it's still like that it didn't you know and I think that it is so relevant in the music industry which is why I wanted to talk to you about mm. it like I know you've worked with a lot of young musicians and helped them try to overcome yeah um uh, mental health issues as well I think um you kind of touched on it earlier that it should be embedded with people from a younger age. Yeah. How do you think as a society we could actually change that? I mean, there's loads of campaigns around just being able to talk to people. Um, And it's difficult. I think one of the main things I've kind of come across and noticed is I don't think people are necessarily ashamed of talking to people. I think it's more... Like, the main reason I get is I don't want to put that burden on my mum or Mm. my friends. Like, they've got enough going on in their own lives. They don't then need to deal with what I've got going on. Yeah. Um, So I don't necessarily feel like the stigma is not being able to talk about it because you're ashamed of it or anything like that. I think it's more not wanting to put pressure on other people, which then puts more pressure on yourself. Mm. Um, and so I think just in in classrooms in general I mean teachers are so overworked as it is anyway so I don't know how it would be done like it just needs a complete overhaul (laughs) to be honest Um, but you know you've got after school language clubs that loads of kids do so you could do like a wellbeing club or something that can be more active for kids to do but actually teach them about if you're feeling sad it's okay to cry it's okay to tell someone right why you're feeling sad um so more kind of teaching them expression yeah and being able to recognize in others yeah okay yeah and just that kind of sense of community and i think that would go a long way like it's not gonna solve everything obviously and people Mm. are still gonna have issues i i don't know if there's a way around it um but i think it's definitely improved and i think kind of from our generation to maybe our parents generation yeah there's a big big difference in um 
uh, I can never remember the actor's name, but it was like this, you know, the the strong silent type, and I think mm. this sort of alpha male persona that the man has to be the strong one, and I think with our generation now, I don't know if you'd agree, but it's just, it's different. Yeah. It's not there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good thing. Mm. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that kind of brings up a lot of points, like when I speak to to people who don't necessarily do counselling or um, like my parents or parents' friends and stuff like that, one of the, it, it kind of goes down two routes. It's, it's this question of, is it that people have always had mental health I- issues and they just haven't reported it or talked about it or it wasn't because media wasn't so big and it wasn't everywhere, mm. it just wasn't reported as much? Or is it because we're trying to get people to talk so much about it that younger people are now self-diagnosing themselves and coming out to talk? Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on the on, on self-diagnosis? Um, I think it can get confused with just terminology. Mm. Um, so I think people saying, oh, I've got an anxiety disorder when they're just anxious because everyone gets anxious. Yeah, of course. I think that can be a misconception. Mm. Um because an anxiety disorder is a lot more than just feeling anxious. Okay, so that's when it's more kind of affects your day to day life and yeah. um, you know your like your social interactions going out. Would that be more of a disorder or? Yeah, okay. yeah. It it just it completely overwhelms your brain like with thoughts and mm. irrational thoughts and um, like you can get physical symptoms from it. People just get really ill. Okay. When they've got really high anxiety. Mm. Um, you know, if it's linked with stress as well, the the hormone cortisol that's constantly being released with stress, okay. um, along with like you know your adrenaline mm. reflexes. So, um, it can can cause physical health as well as you know poor mental health. Um, whereas musicians doing performance, you're bound to get anxious before you go on stage, but it doesn't necessarily mean you've got an anxiety disorder. Of course, it yeah. might just mean that. You know, you need to look at something in a different way, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't have counselling or shouldn't be able to talk about it because it's still relevant. Yeah. Um. But it is just that difference in terminology. Okay. The same as someone who's feeling down yeah. or sad. It's not saying you're depressed because depression is a whole. It's a whole other, other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is like, and I think. A lot of the times, maybe more so now, we expect ourselves constantly to be happy. And if, for whatever reason, you are having a bit of a down day, you instantly do self-diagnose into depression. And, like, it may be that you do have depression, but I don't know if you'd agree, but I I sometimes think that it's fashionable for people to have this stuff. And they're like, oh my god, it's just my anxiety flaring up. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) I think it can be. I think it's the same with anything. Mm. Um... Like when I was at school and there was stuff going around where, oh, so-and-so is just self-harming because it's the trend, like, yeah. everyone in that year self-harms, blah, 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 blah. Um, so whether it is something similar to that, even though not everybody was self-harming yeah. and the people who were self-harming were self-harming for reasons. But I suppose that in itself gets desensitised yeah. because when, to use your example, when you were at high school maybe... Um, say like you know mid mid teens and you see one person self harm and you're like oh my god they're self harming wow I've never seen that and then yeah. about five or six people later you sort of desensitise to it but that doesn't mean that the sixth or the tenth or the twentieth person you've seen isn't going through yeah. you know whatever like a horrible horrible time um, equally I don't know if there would just be people to self harm for yeah. attention seeking and for the sake of it. Yeah, I think either way it needs to be taken seriously. Because mm. um, it does, you know, it does have consequences and effects on on mental health, even if you are just self-harming because your best friend is self-harming. Like, there's a reason behind why you're doing it. Mm. So I still think it, it should be explored. Um, Do you think that, and kind of how we're talking about it being fashionable, 
uh, I was watching on my way up here the the Marilyn Manson cover of Sweet Dreams, and okay. I was watching the video of it. And I know you're a metalhead, and, <laughs> and I was really thinking, like, do you think that different musical genres can play a part in maybe not so much the fashionable part of it, but creating a sense of community with mental health? Or yeah, yeah, I think so. Um... I haven't really looked into it much, but I think it's it is something to look at. Um, there was what was I listening to? I was listening to Devil Driver's cover of Sail. Oh, okay. And obviously, Sail's quite a pop mm. song originally, but um, I'd never really listened to it until I found this cover version. The Devil Driver version, yeah. Yeah, um, and. Like, when you actually listen to the lyrics, it is a lot about, you know, life going really wrong. <laughs> um, and so I think it is in quite a lot of different in, different genres. I think it's just... I think there is a stigma around people who are, like, gothic or metalheads or whatever. It's like, oh, you're bound to be depressed. Mm. Um, like, people get really surprised when... I tell them I'm into metal because on the outside I'm quite a bubbly yeah. person. And then they're like, you are not the stereotype I thought you would be. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, why? Because I'm happy in my yeah. life? Like... <laughs> so... but that's really interesting because I've sometimes found the opposite. And there was a, I saw an interview with uh, Dee Snyder, the Twisted Sister singer, mm. um, who maybe that stuff isn't that heavy now, but back in the 80s in, in the New York scene, it was like, yeah. oh my God, what are these guys doing? Like It was like the Lamb of God of their day, so, you know? <laughs> Up against like the you know the Kylie Minogue stuff that was going yeah. on at that time. Um, and he was saying like, oh, I can't do, I don't know why I was trying to do an impression there, but he was saying like, metal he-. Yeah, he was like, I don't know, man, like, metalheads are just so much happier. <laughs> But he was saying because you can go to a metal show and whatever aggression or whatever you've got inside of you, you just let it out. You get into a mosh pit, you bang your head. Yeah. And it's a release. And you come away and you're like, God, I needed that. Yeah. And I literally had that experience on Friday when I went to go watch some bands play and I watched some metal bands and I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Which yeah, is always is funny true. when you see a mosh pit of people smiling and you're like, well, just having the time of their lives. <laughs> but they do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and there's been studies done into it, actually, where um, metal is actually really calming to listen to because you kind of... You vent your feelings through the music. Yeah. Um, and again, going back to, like, high school, music was massive for me. Um, I, I had a bad time in high school. Okay. So it really helped me get through. Um, and Slipknot, obviously. Of course. Was my go-to. Um, and I found that it either helped me really deal with, like, times where I was feeling really pissed off and angry. And it would, as you said, it would be that release. Like, I could just, like, put it on full blast mm. um, in headphones. Or it would be a kind of, you know, it'd gear me up for a, the day. Yeah. If I really didn't want to go into school, I'd just listen to it on my walk in. And then it would like, you know, it'd pump you up ready to... Definitely. To it sets you up for the it. day, yeah. yeah. I think I've said this to you before, that I, when I discovered being an adult and going shopping mm. in Sainsbury's... <laughs> And just having my headphones on, and I just had shuffle on, and Slipknot came on, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to take some out with a basket in a minute. And you're like, I need to get to the mushrooms. <laughs> you just got this, like, really cranking this heavy music. It's, it's such a fantastic experience. Yeah. And the, um, <laughs> you know, in um, in Monsters, I think it's Mo Monsters University, the second one. I've just got to play my tune. Yeah, it's my love label. <laughs> me <laughs> That's, but like exactly that happily bubbly oh you kids have fun like i'm just gonna be here <laughs> but it's a release yeah i think it really is and personally i've never been massively drawn to pop music i'm not saying it's not good songwriting they're not mm -hmm. good musicians but it just never i don't know if you possibly have the same experience but yeah. there's there's no connection for me it could be anything yeah um Depends what it is, I suppose. I was actually quite into R&B and stuff at one point. Okay. Um, and some pop and dance. But again, I think that was... 
like I used to do dancing. Mm. So I think it was part of that. Like a, there was the rhythm behind yeah. it, um, and you know everyone was listening to it when I was younger, and dancing was then that release. Okay. To go alongside it, mm. um, so it wasn't necessarily listening to it, like you do with, you know, rock or metal. Yeah. But it was still giving me some kind of release. And so do you in that way, like the physical movement of dance was yeah. actually like your body physically. Yeah. Uh, experiencing that release. Yeah. Okay. It's like the you know it's it's not really a myth, but <laughs> my mum's go to for if anyone's feeling down is like oh just do some yoga, just go for a walk. <laughs> it's like it's not that simple, but it does have some merit to it. Mm. Um, so I think that's why that can help as well because it's it's exercise, like it's getting yeah your endorphins moving, going and and everything. So. Um, and I suppose that's the same with just listening to rock and metal. Like, if you're bopping along and listening to it or whatever, or headbanging or whatever you're doing, then it does kind of get the endorphins going a bit. Definitely. And it is physical release. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting when you kind of put the, like, you so you can link the hormones. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, like, physical, um, uh, like, a physical consequence of yeah. the body from these acts. Um, yeah. It's, I think checking out some more research about would be really good as well. Mm. Um, I guess kind of going back more towards, you mentioned it before, kind of media. Yeah. Do you think the way um, the media like portrays mental health, do you think that's positive or do you think it could be better? Uh, I think it could be better. Um, it's... <laughs> It depends on the context of, of what the story is, I suppose. I think media is very much attention-grabbing. Mm. Um, so they'll go with the story. It's clickbait, than, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then stuff like social media is, again, hit and miss. Like, um, I've actually done an, an assignment around social media and mental health, um, and it's... You know, sometimes it's it's really good. Like that recent one where um, it's not really mental health, it was more physical. Someone was having a seizure when they were playing online with someone from America. Okay. And um, the girl from America actually called 999 and got him an ambulance. Because oh, wow. Because the parents downstairs didn't know what was happening. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and I've heard similar stories, but with mental health, like someone's been talking to someone in a different country and they've said oh yeah i've overdosed um and the parents didn't know anything about it so then they've got help through social media so there are positives to this because it is i guess going back to what you were saying about these help services because you're like i don't want to tell my mum that i'm depressed because it's a burden but it's not really a burden to someone on the other side of the world yeah who you've never met probably never will meet and you can say I've done this, I'm going to do this. And it's like, okay, it's really no consequence yeah. to your daily life because you don't love that person. They're not close to you. Mm. Um, yeah, because yeah. I, I think a lot of people, and I'm sure I've got a perfectly valid right to have a bad outlook on social media mm. because I think there are certain, uh, especially with music, there's a glamorization and there's a sexiness that yeah. people put up that isn't always reality, I don't think. Mm. Yeah, and I think there's pressure on musicians to sell themselves a lot through mm-hmm. social media at the moment. Um, the amount of times I spoke to someone and it was like, but I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't know how to do this and everyone's telling me different things and do I build up my release before or do I do it afterwards? And yeah, and just that pressure that that then puts on, on top of everything else that's going on mm-hmm. in your life is ridiculous. Um and then you do have stuff like Instagram's been in trouble for not picking up on certain like keywords and and self harm posts and and stuff like that. So okay, there's been a lot of development around that with with Instagram. What's happened with that exactly? I haven't seen that. Um, so normally they with their policy they have about you know you can't post anything offensive or rude or mm-hmm. yeah, revealing of and stuff like that. Um, but there was quite a big phase where people were actually posting quite a lot of self-harm material okay. and it wasn't getting taken down like wow. fast yeah. or anything. Like it was spreading before it could be taken down. So um, 
you know, if you're a musician and you're trying to reach fans, mm. that can have an impact as well because you're exposed to that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think fans can put quite a lot of, you know, they can project quite a lot onto musicians as well through social media. Like, there's a lot more contact mm. when, you know, actual band members have got their own official pages yes. and reply to people. It's dangerous, yeah. isn't it? You know, but even I remember, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago now, this, this particular wrestler actually, he was um, like massive on YouTube mm. and that was where his main following was. Uh, he was like worldwide, like yeah. he'd been champions and everything and he just put a simple message on YouTube and he just went, thank you all for, I don't know the exact words, but thank you all for your support over the years. It's been a wild ride. I've got to go away now. Just know that you're in my heart forever. Um, and it was kind of unintentional because he had like this big surprise coming. Mm. That, but from the wording of that, all his fans got in touch and like, you know, the American police in the area had so many calls and yeah. they were like, we think he's killed himself. We think he's going to do something really bad. Um, and he actually came out after that and he went, look, I'm really sorry. I was actually, I'm, I'm leaving a certain company. I'm going somewhere <laughs> else. But thank you so much. I didn't know I meant this much to people. Yeah. Um, so I don't, know if you, <laughs> I don't know if that's a positive or a negative, I suppose. Yeah, I think it depends on the person, really. Mm. Um, it's... <sighs> It's a two-way thing. Like musicians can have such an impact on their fans, mm. um, and I don't necessarily know if they realise that all the time. And that's got bigger, I think, with social media because if they've got that personal contact and you can see a bit more of their lives, and it's <laughs> it makes them more human and more relatable yeah. than this kind of oh, this idol. That yeah. is unreachable and... and I think some people still have that. Um, yeah. Which I, I remember when James Hetfield a couple of months ago, he's just gone back into rehab. Yeah. Um, I think it was for alcoholism. And there was so much abuse to him on social yeah. media. And they were like, oh my God, he's got millions of pounds. Why does he need to go back into rehab? And it's like, well, just because he's got a lot of money in the bank, it doesn't mean he's still not hurting. Yeah. Or something else is going on. But like, if anything, <laughs> he's accomplished everything. And yeah. I could see why he would... Well, what's the point anymore? <laughs> yeah, money doesn't solve everything. It's not the be-all and end-all. And I think <laughs> if if you have... Um, I don't know if you've seen Afterlife. No, you... I haven't. Okay, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think when you have the means that maybe James Hetfield has to do something, when you could, li like, you could kill yourself with the money he's yeah. got easily oh yeah um you know but i suppose kind of but the alcoholism comes back to because you're currently working with um yeah recovering alcoholics and drug addicts mm -hmm. yeah okay how are you finding that kind of work um it's challenging but enjoying's not the right word because <laughs> that sounds really horrible mm. um <laughs> <laughs> but i think that being able to actually have an impact on someone's life and just be there for someone to talk through what's going on for them mm. um, is really nice. Um, it kind of feels like I'm actually on the path to where I want to get to now. Okay. Whereas before I was just kind of plodding along just doing what I needed to do. So what path is it? that? What, what's the final destination? Where do you want to be? Final destination. Final, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said that, I was like, you're going to pick up on that. <laughs> I haven't cheated death, I promise. Um, <laughs> eventually I want to go into relationship counselling, so completely different. Really? To what wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that between um, like a couple or polyamory, I guess, when it is yeah. a, like romantic relationships? Okay. Yeah, romantic relationships, um, family relationships. Um, sex therapy and stuff as well. Okay. Um, so basically Relate is where I'm looking to go to, which is a, a relationship service. And they do counselling and wow. stuff like that. That's, that's a complete 360, it seems, yeah. that you're going from helping. <laughs> is that just because you want to get a more rounded yeah. outlook? And then maybe, if, I don't know, for instance, if you're with a family and as an alcoholic father, saying you've got that experience of... Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um so with the course, I have to do placements, 
because you have to build up a certain amount of hours mm. um, to be qualified. Um, so part of it is just finding a placement <laughs> that okay. you can do that's out there. Um, and part of it was that I did just want... Because a lot of my experience so far has been in education and with adolescents um, mm. and young adults. So I wanted to just do more broad work with the general population, mm. really. Um, and I think a lot of the time if you've got an alcohol or a, a drug dependency, then that has come from somewhere. Okay. Like, you haven't just woken up one day and gone, I'm just going to try this. <laughs> yeah. um, There's a root to the yeah. problem. Mm, okay. Yeah, so it's it's still mental health. It's still... The same kind of counselling skills that you would need for, you know, mm. just speaking to someone off the street. Okay. Um, and then relationship counselling is a lot more about the communication between those people in the room. Um, so it's a, it's a slightly different set of skills. So I think I just want to build up my base okay. before I then get to that. And the sex therapy? That's just an interest. Okay. And it kind of interlinks, like, relationships. <laughs> Do you think there's a, a link between sex therapy and mental health? Um, I think there can be. Okay. I think if people's self-esteem is is quite low, it can go one of two ways, where you look to other people to, to boost your confidence and to gain that validation. Okay. Or it can go the other way where you just don't want any contact with anyone ah okay so you could it could be very much for two extremes yeah right okay I think it's interesting that people I guess it's almost a shame that this knowledge isn't just so easy to attain and you Mm. do have to go and see specialists for it which I guess kind of comes back to your point of really uh educating society as a whole yeah um kind of in your experience with sort of young musicians and mm-hmm. artists, what do you think are the biggest mental health challenges that they have to overcome? I think comparison okay. is one. Um, so not being able to just be and accept who you are as a person because it's always, oh, this band's doing better than me. Or, mm. you know, if you've been in a band and they've then you've then broken up and you've gone... I can't solo um, paths and wonders better than the other. You're bound to compare yourself, but then that leads to a lot of self-doubt or, Mm. you know, negative, negative thoughts about yourself of why aren't I doing better? Like, what is it about? Oh, it's like the Beatles. Yeah. When they all split, they all had different solo careers. But John Lennon just went, nope, and just went away for five years and did nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay so comparison is a big thing for yeah. young artists and musicians um, and so I get, so that's going more towards like the self doubt and sort of depression yeah. side of it okay. yeah um, and I suppose it can be the anxiety as well behind it um, mm. so it's all those what ifs and why questions of why is that happening for them why isn't it happening for me Yeah. what do I need to do why Why can't <laughs> why can't this so happen? it's turned in on yourself yeah Okay. Yeah. What other challenges do you think? I think um I think what I said earlier of you know the music that you do as a career is so personal to you. It's not like you know it's not like working in Tesco or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz that that is just a job that you do. Um, and you might enjoy that still. Mm. Like, there's no no problems with that. But um, I think as a musician, you put yourself into it. Like it's your personality. It's your it's your baby, basically, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to then have someone critique you on it, it cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you're not ready for it, I think that can be a, a huge thing. Do you think there is a way to get ready for it? Or may, maybe ready for sort of success or, yeah. you know, the spotlight? Um, I think if people know themselves 
and okay. why they're writing those songs or why they're performing in that way that can help mm. um it's obviously again i don't think there's a anything that can necessarily fix it but i think that can help because if you know what the trigger is what the root is for it then at least you can be prepared for you know if someone critiques it yeah um but also the rest of the world doesn't necessarily know why you wrote it so it's it's been able to remember that as well and keep that perspective of it's a lot more personal to you than it is to to everyone else and everyone else is going to put their own meaning onto it mm-hmm. um which isn't necessarily what you originally had planned for it yeah does this make any yeah. sense yeah no i think i know what you mean and it's it's funny how you said about having your own meaning to a song where um i was listening to an interview with the guys from three days grace <laughs> And they were saying they will write songs that are personal to them, but they try to make the lyrics almost generic. Yeah. So anybody can relate to it. Because if you're singing a song about my girlfriend Sophie, who in 1987, <laughs> like, it's... Okay, well, that's your story. Yeah. Um, but then, like, one of the songs off their last album, which is such a great album, um, um, Chasing the First Time... Mm. Or, like, just everybody wants to be somebody. And just these great phrases that I think everyone can relate to. And they're just... When I first listened to that album, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is so good. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I think especially in that community, like, the song Outsider. Mm -hmm. I'm an outsider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just like... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't care about the in crowd. No. (laughs) (laughs) better off on my own i mean what what a way to put a song and make somebody connect to that song i'm better off on my own and that's the song that you're going to i was like wow it's such simple lines that everybody in i'm you know most people at some point in their life has probably thought that's like you put it into a song and it sounds good yeah (laughs) but they've been able to then remove part of their own personal touch right. on that song so that's kind of protected them a little bit from any critique or any people being like oh that's so unrealistic yeah because like I said it's not talking about this personal experience yeah. when you know but I think people do have sympathy for it sometimes mm-hmm. as well yeah. um, and when people write about maybe it's all, almost after the fact but um, I know some musicians will write about when they've lost a parent yeah um, and then it's interesting how the fans will take that. And a lot of them are generally like, oh, it's so great, it's a lovely song. But mm-hmm. then when people crap all over that song, yeah. and you're like, oh, this was about my parent, and you haven't protected yourself. Yeah. I think that's where the danger can yeah. sometimes come. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how you brought up the comparison thing, and I think it comes back to, as you said, social media, maybe the public eye, and just turning it in on yourself. Yeah. Because... again to quote three days grace everyone's just trying to be somebody (laughs) and if you want to be that um you know the songwriter the the singer whoever Mm. who's on x factor and people are like oh my god they're amazing and i know guys who've gone through that process and and britain's got talent and i'm not saying it wasn't a great ride when they did it Mm -hmm. but when you see them after it yeah they're like i don't know i i was here i was on this peak on this top of the world and now I'm not. Yeah. How do how would you think people can deal with that sort of having peaked as a musician maybe and now is on a maybe yeah. not a downer but you know just not where they were. It depends on the day I think as well. Mm. Um, you've got to be in a certain mindset to be able to look at things in certain ways. So sometimes it is about being able to recognise. Okay, I did that, mm. and like. That is still part of my life. Like, that still happened. Yeah. Um, so not taking it away from yourself of being like, but I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. Okay. It's still there. You still did it. It's still an achievement. Um, I think redefining what success means to you. Okay. Because, um, you know, if that is what success is, then strive to do it again. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean because you've done it once you can't do it again yeah yeah definitely um, so it's a setback it's horrible allow yourself 
allow yourself to feel shit about it all. Um, but then take back control of those feelings and empower them into something more positive. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it is how you said it, like, you know, and I think success is relative to everybody. Like, yeah. last week on the show I had um, Costas Magdalenos, mm-hmm. um, who obviously you know. Yeah. And he, I don't think we actually talked about it in the interview, but before the show he was telling me, because um, I went to his music school yeah. and he showed me round and everything and I knew a couple of people who worked there and I was like oh this is great this is really nice but he was saying back in Greece the small island that he's from like nobody's a singer and the fact yeah. that he's living in London is working um, as a teacher as a singer in his own band and like you know he's not Dave Grohl in the Foo Fighters yeah but he's got his own band he carved out his own little piece and where he came from to where he is now is a huge achievement yeah but some people think you got to be... Yeah. Um, I don't know why I was going to say Justin Timberlake. Of all the examples <laughs> I was going to choose, Justin Timberlake just came to my mind. <laughs> We've gone from rock and metal talk to, you know, I just want to be Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Doesn't everyone. Can I edit that out of my no. <laughs> Just insert name. want to be... Boop, Corey Taylor. Boop. <laughs> Who you've met as well. Yeah. Tell us about your time with Corey. No. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> I had so many things that I wanted to say to be like really cool and then I was just like, can I please hug you? <laughs> I got a hug though. Was it a creepy hug from you? No. Maybe. No. <laughs> How long did you hug for him? Was it a tight hug? Did you let him go? <laughs> I let him go and then I had a photo. <laughs> Prized away from security. Like your dog, your dog trying to hump my leg, just like latched on. It totally wasn't a mugshot photo. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> just black eyes and a side profile. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a way to get people. Because they must meet thousands of people. Oh, Mind you, they probably meet more people who. So starstruck, I do. Is that the worst you've ever been, getting starstruck? Yeah, and I met Rob Trujillo as well. Okay, yeah, um, Metallica bass player, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like completely fangirling in the back of the room, like, ah, oh my god. <laughs> Pulling on his plaits. <laughs> and then um, Dean, um, <laughs> someone who asked who was there, was like, just go talk to him, he's just a human. It's like, yeah, but no. And what did you do? Did you go and talk to him? Uh, I just went and had a photo. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. I I, I, I can't talk to people like that. <laughs> but it's so difficult because yeah. what do you say to people? And the, the thing is, you feel creepy because you know everything about them. <laughs> you know everything they've ever released. You probably know their dog's name and where they're from and everything else. No. <laughs> I, oh, if you can tell me Corey Taylor's pet's name, so that's... that's... Uh, does he have any? I don't know. <laughs> You're probably pretending, but you don't... Does he? I don't know. <laughs> But then, what do you talk to those people about when you meet these yeah. icons who, you said obviously Slipknot when you went through a difficult time in high school, these people were just... Yeah, they got me through. <laughs> you know, and you, you, you're like, oh, am I going to be that person? Like, I got to meet uh, Stuart Copeland, the drummer from The Police. Yeah. And um, I, I think I heard it together okay. <laughs> but I know I just did a big... Did you cry? <laughs> I didn't, actually. <laughs> one here. <laughs> <laughs> try to blink it away as it runs down my face but he was so cool and I just went look I know you get this a lot but you were such a huge influence me as a drum uh, influenced me as a drummer growing yeah. up and he just went oh thanks man <laughs> and I was like, end of conversation <laughs> he just walks away no you know he was he was great because he has a bit of a reputation for being um not the nicest person sometimes right. people, but he really gave me time and he was like oh so what are you working on now and I was like really interested I was like is he joking with me I'm just like is this what's going on but he, do I owe him money yeah. now <laughs> am I paying him he's just great and I was really surprised and when you meet these icons and these people who have maybe got you through tough times yeah it's just yeah it's fantastic when they're nice yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like we've tangented a bit from mental health yeah, now, sorry. which is great. No, 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 it's cool. Um, it kind of naturally brings the, uh, I guess, the conversation to the end now. Um, 
the only other thing I, I kind of really wanted to ask you about is where do you see uh, sort of mental health uh, going in the next few years? Do you think it's got a clear direction? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think it depends on what happens with the government, to be honest. And, Interesting. And how they approach it. Um, I think there's been a weird disparity where there's been lots of campaigning around, oh, people should talk more, like, you should go get checked for mental health, and then GPs can only refer a certain amount of people or don't have the right training mm. in it to be able to refer you to different places um and then there's been loads of funding cuts as well for it which is not good obviously is, yeah yeah so the waiting lists are ridiculous and mm. um charities obviously have funding cuts and stuff as well so there's i don't know yeah it's a weird weird time where it's wanting people to talk more and get help but then not necessarily the resources there mm. to then do that. So I guess just to close up now, in terms of because of these long waiting lists mm-hmm. for young people or yeah. well anyone really I suppose who's maybe working within the music industry in whatever capacity uh, or just people in general yeah. where would you point them to? What would be your resources? Uh, mind.org.uk I think that's a great website um, it's got both stuff that you can do for yourself as well as if you're concerned about someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, Samaritans is always good if you just need someone to talk to if you're having a really bad time. Um, for musicians, there's Help Musicians, which is a good one. I don't know, there's loads of places. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you literally just type feeling distressed or self-help for depression into google there's so much that comes up that's really helpful um and the nhs site's actually got it's a weird sounding thing there's something called mood juice (laughs) okay that's an interesting name for people to pick (laughs) Mm, get your mood juice (laughs) um but it has loads of videos and stuff of different like relaxation techniques and stuff like that so it's got more practical Mm. advice that people can do for themselves Mm. Um, okay great thank you well Emily thanks so much for coming and talking to us about mental health thank you it's been a really good conversation it's been great to see um, where you're going with psychotherapy and counselling some of your experiences and yeah best of luck for the future hopefully we can talk again soon (laughs)